0: Good morning, Disciples Church. Good to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Joshua Kirstein. I'm honored to be the preaching pastor here at Disciples, and uh, God is doing awesome things in the life of our church, and look forward to getting to know you a little better if I haven't met you yet. Uh, grab your Bibles with me, church family, and let's turn to the letter of Ephesians. We'll continue our sermon series through this great letter that God's ordained to be in Holy Scripture letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in the region of Ephesus, and with it is so much good truth and help, the Christian life, the power, and the wisdom of God for us. And we find ourselves in a really important part of the text, in chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, this section in Scripture is on the topic of marriage, and is maybe considered uh, one of the most important and most extensive sections in holy scripture about the topic of marriage and uh, whether you're single or married or maybe one day think you might be uh, it's around it's in our lives it's an important part to understand God's will and word for us according to holy scripture I pray that you would come to it humbly and ready to dig in and grow. If you need a Bible to follow along with us and study, we have Bibles in the back of the room. Love for you to grab one. There's also papers there to take notes on if you're a note taker. Um, as we begin our multi week focus on the roles that God has ordained for the husband and the wife in holy marriage, I want to um, recognize that each one of us has a perspective or an opinion on this topic of the roles of the husband and wife we've, we've already spent two weeks here in this text uh, looking at the design the definition of marriage and then the purpose for marriage which many people often don't understand rightly according to scripture and takes what we're doing in our marriages to a whole nother level to understand that if you've missed those first two sermons i would encourage you to jump on our podcast on our website spend some time with the word at home to get this full foundation underneath you. But now we turn towards this important emphasis in this passage on the roles. The role of the husband. The role of the wife. And and like I said a moment ago. You probably have an opinion as to what that should look like. And many of you have that opinion based on your upbringing for example. You have seen in your parents marriage or your grandparents marriage. Something that you really loved. And so you've tried to emulate that. And and see that continue generationally or maybe the opposite is true you saw in your parents or in your grandparents things that you detested and so you've worked hard to go the different direction and not to generationally bring that forward Um, some of you have your own life experiences that you is the reason why you feel the way you do about the roles within marriage Um, maybe you've studied this topic in school or just on your own online or different books maybe Much of the way you think about the roles in marriage is is based on what you've seen in movies or in TV shows. And and that has sculpted a lot of the way you think a marriage should look, um, the ideals of that. And or maybe just based on your own experience in your own marriage or traditions that you have, habits that you've come to develop, your own experience along the way. We have to realize that all of these experiences and all of this horizontal insight must be overcome with the designers design for marriage that we have to be willing to correct reorient ourselves that if the way we look at the role of the husband or the role of the wife is is not what God who designed it says it is to be then there needs to be real conviction and repentance which means to turn from that practice unto what honors God that we want to grow in these things and mature in these things Our aim as adopted children of God uh, who belong to the Lordship of Christ is to know our perfect, holy God's design in His creation, specifically of what He wants marriage to look like and how it is to be practiced in the family. In sin, mankind has done much to usurp God's good design for the roles of the husband and the wife, And in this, we are susceptible to grabbing hold of unrighteous, wicked positions. Again, based on our own family upbringing, our own traditions, our own personal preferences for how we want it to go. Um, And so, Christian, if you belong to Jesus, then your desire is to seek to redeem and conform to God's will for these things for your life. Um, and i'm i 'm thankful that much of our church family has humbly been wi- willing to go on this journey been willing to to be sanctified and, and to reform and to uh, mature in this view and do the hard work. This is a tough one this is a tough topic. Our flesh rails against this stuff big time some of my hardest counseling um, and 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 You know, biggest work is around this topic, and it's just an area where our flesh can really rear up, and we need to long to joyfully know and live out God's good design for this. And so I pray that it's a real blessing for you, our work today and in the weeks to come. Um, In our flesh, we can be strong-willed people, Um, and so uh, we are desperate, church, to lean in this morning. Um, to, to learn and to firm up a biblical understanding of what this needs to be, how it is to be lived out. And I'll say this, it is one thing for you to understand what this is to look like, and it is another thing for you to live it out. We need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. This is how we glorify God in these days. He's given us under the sun in my preparation over the last couple of weeks for this leg of the journey, as we look to the roles, I have decided uh, to preach on the role of the husband for two sermons. I originally had thought I would do this in one, and you who know me well are not surprised at this news. And so, God, God willing, we're going to spend some good time here, and uh, one of the reasons why We're going to do that is because I want to do a little bit of foundational work in Holy Scripture that sets an important tone for this topic of the roles in marriage, as we're going to see heavily in our passage today. And so I didn't want to cheat the rest of the needed emphasis on the role of the husband out with this introduction. So let's spend time on the introduction and that foundational point, and then we'll move towards the role of the husband. And the point is this. All of mankind... Both men and women are made in the image of God. This means that both men and women are equal in dignity and in value. To see this in Scripture, we really need to go no further than the creation of man and woman. We can see it. It's an easy place to flip in your Bibles. If you have them open, the very beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27. Let me read you these couple verses. We'll talk about them for a moment. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. A couple of important things I want us to rightly understand from this passage. The first point is this. Man and woman are both created in the image of God and share the same human nature. God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion. See with me, the plurality of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, says, let us make man in our image. So we see this is a reference then to the plurality of the Godhead creating the plurality of man. The references to man here are mankind, are all humans, not just men. So he qualifies this in, in, in these words here when he says male and female. Let them have dominion. Male and female, he created them. The essential takeaway here. In the way that each member of the Holy Trinity is equally God and not one is not higher than the other, man and woman are both made in God's image and in God's likeness and therefore equal in dignity and value. One is not more important than the other. One does not have a higher value or dignity than or worth than the other. It is only in mankind's sin... That people, nations, and cultures have a view that men or women are to be seen as more important. We've seen gross, wicked ways where this plays out. Uh, Some cultures would kill the baby girls because they felt like they were an inferior part of the human race. Or in our modern culture's radical push, we see an uh, an effort to elevate women even to the place of being of greater importance than the men. So we can see this swing both ways. This is all purely and simply sin. Your son and your daughter are both humans. They're both equal in essence and value. One does not outdo the other in human dignity simply because they're male or female. To think this way is to think unbiblically. Another important foundation that helps us see this fact is that men and women, man and women are equal in their spiritual adoption and life in Christ. God makes no gender distinction in whom he will save and redeem. Galatians 3.28 says this clearly, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. As Christians, our ultimate value and ultimate worth comes from God. Not simply because He made us male or female, but because He has given us His Son to die for us, that we would belong to Him. There is no higher value you could place on a person. Christ didn't come to save animals He didn't come to save angels. He came to save his people, men and women, created in the image of God. Christians must be, this must be our prioritized view of the equal dignity and value of both men and women. Listen to Peter bring good clarity to this. 1 Peter 3 verse 7 Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Peter calls husbands to show honor to their wives, to live with them in an understanding way, for while they are different in their roles, which we're going to dig into in the coming weeks, they are equally heirs of the grace of life. Let me say this in a different way. Peter highlights here that while there are surely positional and authoritative differences in the purpose and role of the husband and the wife, they are equal heirs of Christ and therefore both equally worthy to be honored. Christian, this is to govern our thoughts. It's it's to direct our words that you would fight your sin, that would want to playfully pick at the, the orientation of male or female and, and, and look to one as, as lesser in value because it, it's a funny end of a joke or it's a way to, to pick or prod each other. We've got to put that away. We need to uphold and hold high the fact that each of us is made in the image of God and that is precious to us. To think about a man or a woman as a lesser person simply because they're male or female is just sinful and unbiblical. It can, if if left undealt with, turn into, in your heart and mind, sinful partiality. Find ourselves holding the view of one higher than the other. We must fight this as sin. We must do business with this. Every person is made in the image of God. Every person is human, and therefore equally deserving of human rights and the right to life, as per the economy of God set forth in His Word. Each of us are co-heirs in God's eternal family. And while we have different roles and even strengths or duties to fulfill in God's economy, we need to allow, uh, not allow other distinctions to create sinful judgment on the equal worth of every human being, male and female. This means that the husband should not look down at his wife, treat her as less important than himself. This also means the wife doesn't take the fact that men and women are equal in dignity and value and therefore conclude that this levels the playing field when it comes to the duty or roles that God has assigned. It does not. An example of this is while both the assistant coach and the head coach are equally human and therefore to be respected and honored with dignity, the same, they're both created in the image of God. The assistant coach works for the head coach. And so while the assistant coach has a specific set of assigned tasks to do, he or she still works for the head coach and therefore must submit to the leading and the priority of the head coach. The assistant coach doesn't get to usurp the workings of the team or show up to meetings and say, no, we're going to do this different. Sad reality is many unbiblical positions have been formed to proclaim that because men and women are equal in dignity and value, that they both have an equal seat at the table when it comes to decision making and leading. And this is not biblically true. This is not God's design. What we see in this portion of Ephesians 5 22 through 23 is that God has clearly assigned important, distinct roles for both the husband and the wife in marriage. A a succinct place we see this spelled out is in the Word of Truth Catechism, question 30 What roles did God ordain for men and women within the family? The answer is God has ordained the role of the husband to lovingly lead his wife and family. God has ordained the role of the wife to joyfully submit to her husband's leadership as his helper. What we see in Scripture is that God designed oneness in marriage in which there's a way or two who are different and given different assignments and roles that they complement each other. They complement each other in how they live out those roles. Uh, an illustration that I've always favored when trying to understand this and how it can go bad if we don't understand it or apply it rightly is the illustration of the pilot and the co-pilot in a fighter jet. Only the, It's the pilot's job and assignment to fly. Right? That's his job. The co-pilot has a different yet important assignment of duties that he must perform well if it's going to be successful. Largely, the role of the co-pilot is to support the role of the pilot. If and when the pilot would decide he doesn't want to fly, then both are in trouble. Right? Can you imagine? And if the co-pilot decides he wants to fly... Then also, both are seriously in trouble as he attempts to take control of the steering of the plane. I was talking to a few of our pilots in our congregation about this this week, trying to make sure I was speaking to some of this correctly. And it was fun to hear them say that one of the biggest markers of the co pilot is to be a great and helpful support to the pilot. And when the co pilot gets that wrong, it goes bad. And so it was just really interesting to hear that come out and how much it applies to this. They both have a job to do. And in that complementary way, when they don't do their job well, the plane crashes and burns. To know your role and how you are to complement the other is an essential part of marital health and success. To not know your role and or to not live it out according to God's prescriptions is to struggle along the way. Put that under our feet. Let's dive into this text and see the the prescription for these roles unfold before us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Church, in our passage we see clearly God's intention for marriage is to portray, as we focused heavily last week, on the fact that marriage in this creation is patterned in such a way where it is to display or portray the marriage that Christ has with His bride, the church. It is to be a gospel testimony. It is to be for the glory of God. The roles we play in this are critical to telling that story correctly. And so in this, Paul is clear to say the husband is compared to Christ. The wives are compared to the church. Husbands are compared to the head. Wives compared to the body. Husbands are commanded to provide and lead as Christ provided and led. Wives are commanded to submit and support as the church is to submit and support the headship of Christ. Church, the roles the husband and the wife are to live out are rooted in the distinct roles of Christ in the church. Because marriage is the testimony of Christ and his bride, the church, and for the glory of God, to tell the honest testimony of Christ in the church, we must fulfill our roles as given by God correctly instead of doing what we think just works best in our home. The first thing we see in our Ephesians 5 passage about the role of the husband, we see in verse 23. Look there with me, Ephesians five twenty three, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Paul here gives specific clarity again uh, to this important area of the role of the husband. And we see him do this in other letters. For example, 1 Corinthians eleven three. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. The theological term that we derive from scripture in these script, in these passages to the title of and the role of leadership in the marriage is this title headship. Husbands are designed to be the head. Let's give headship a working definition, one by which we'll work out of this week and next. Headship is the divine calling of a husband to take the primary responsibility for Christ-like leadership, provision, and protection in the home. All three of those are essential. We're going to focus mainly on leadership this week, provision, and protection next week. Paul continues to bring emphasis in the 1 Corinthians 11 passage, when he says in verse 8 and 9, For man is not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Also in 1 Timothy 2.13, For Adam was formed first, and then Eve. In these verses, Paul is emphasizing the authoritative role in the marriage. And it comes with The man's headship. This is God's good design. Notice with me, Paul is grounding why this is the case in the fact that it is established in the creation order. And therefore, this assignment does not change in the length of the creation. It does not change with a new era, it does not change with developments in mankind. As long as there is marriage in this creation, this is God's good design. It's important to understand that the role of head is given to the husband, not as any response to sin, like this is a secondary idea, or anything that happened in history, but this role was given to the husband, to the man, before the fall of mankind. And God called it very good. I want us to take a moment and really focus in on that as we look to Genesis and we see the role given to the man prior to the fall. A couple points to make here. Number one, the order of creation indicates God's design of male headship in the male-female relationship. We're not just deriving that from those texts. We're seeing the apostles, we're seeing God's word refer back to that as how it is supposed to work. Man was not made for woman, but woman from man. 1 Corinthians 11.8 1 Timothy 2.13 Man was formed first, and then Eve. Another point to gather here is Paul instructs Adam to not eat the fruit before Eve's creation. This implies Adam's responsibility to lead his wife, to teach and to protect her from sinful rebellion of God. He's giving Adam that leading role in the relationship. Number three, Eve is called Adam's helper. I mean, it's very plainly to see that God's design in this for her role is different than his. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then this last point, Adam names Eve. Throughout the Bible, when someone is charged with naming something, it is a sign of great authority. Church, see with me. Genesis 1.31, God saw saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Husbands, when you're tempted to not lead well, when you're tempted to slack off, when you're tempted to let her lead, remember, God commissioned Adam, he commissioned the husband to lead, and he said, it is very good. Remember those words. When, when you want to take over, do it different, based on how your flesh is feeling that day. Wives, when you're tempted to not, to, to not submit well to the leadership of your husband, when you're tempted to not primarily be his helpmate to help him, when you're tempted to pull up a seat alongside him at the leading table and want to have a say in how it goes, when he is slacking at leading and you think someone needs to do this, you need to remember God called Adam He called the husband to lead, and he called it very good. No matter how well it's going, no matter how much you agree or like it, no matter if he's a good leader or not, God called him to lead and for you to follow, and he called it very good. We need to humble ourselves to this reality woe to the person who says I think I've got a better way that this should go I have my own version of very good church we belong to him he is perfect in all his ways let us see and embrace this when you're really struggling wives struggling to want to lead struggling because he's not leading well Simply hold fast to this truth. God called his leadership very good. That's his plan. His design. His design is not broken. You don't need to save it. You don't need to rewire it. You need to trust it. And you need to do your part in what is called very good you rightly hold on to this ladies you walk by faith see this is that moment where your pragmatics or your feelings where all the stuff on the horizontal is working at you and you're like this it just it makes more sense that we would go this way or we would do it this or i have a better idea but that's not to walk by faith that's to walk by sight that's for you to be in control walking by faith means you trust god's design At the end of the day, he will be judged for how he led. You will not be judged for how you led. Why? It wasn't your role. You'll be judged for how you followed. Okay? If he's going to slack, if he's going to struggle, that judgment's on him. It's not yours to fix with a different design that's not of God. With all this foundation at our feet, let's dive deeper into Ephesians 5 and see what God's Word says this headship is to look like in the husband. Look at verse 25 with me. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The first thing I want you to notice is that husbands are to lead like Christ leads the church. Jesus initiated the church's saving. He also died to give an example to us. See his leadership. He planned it. He took the initiative. He didn't wait. He took the lead. He set an example for how we are to lead. In this, Jesus shows us the vital role of what we call servant leadership. Man, we need this example We need scripture to reorient us when we think of leadership. Why? Because the world around us is screaming at you loud and often that your leadership is about you. Your title, your prestige, what that leadership gets you, how you advance, where you want to go. But Christ's model for God-honoring leadership is not about us. It's about God and those He has entrusted to us to lead. Husbands, you are not called to lead for your good or your glory. We are to lead for the good of those we lead and the glory of God. Let me say that again so we don't miss that. Men, husbands, we are to lead for the good of those God's entrusted us to lead and for the glory of God. This is why it is so essential that you belong to Christ. That He is Lord of your life. Because you will not lead in this way without Him. Without Him changing and working and molding and refining your dead selfish heart into a living selfless heart for those that God has put under your care. Let me say it again. You will not lead in a Christ-like servant way if you do not deeply have Christ in your life. Men, some of the most important work you need to do in leaving today is not first to go home and just start leading. It is first to go home and start knowing Christ all the better. Submitting to Him. Studying His Word. Being molded and refined by Him. This is the primary primary call. The, the first thing of most importance because to, to skip that to add it in when time works out is to do what's most important second, third, or last your Christ-like servant leadership is desperate on your true submission to Jesus as Lord of your life it is dominant, selfish, prideful lazy leadership That men for too long have hurt their wives and families or left them hanging or dragged them through the mud unnecessarily. There is a missing servant leadership in the modern home in far too many households. Husbands, we need to become servant leaders. How do we do that? The answer is in this verse. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, see the depth of the sacrifice Jesus makes to love and lead his bride. He dies for her. This is important for us to see, man, because it shows us that there is no sacrifice too costly to you. There is no limit to the sacrifice we make or even the suffering we go through to love and lead our wives and our families unto the end. Guys, the fact that Jesus died for his bride, this doesn't just mean that you're willing to take a bullet for her if the occasion ever arises. As men, we love this. This macho scenario where like, of course I stand between the predator and my family and I'll die for them yeah, most of you will never be given that opportunity. And the problem is with most men, then that's where they hang their leadership up. They do nothing in between. When Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, he means you die for those you lead in your work every day. In your chores around the house. In your time with the kids. In your loving attention to your wife as the weaker vessel. In your continuing to go when you don't feel like you got anything left. While the role of the wife is to truly help you. And while the role of the children is to be obedient to you. This doesn't mean your leadership of them is about you. If we understand what Paul's pointing us to here, we see that our leadership is way more costly than we often realize or want to admit. Man, it's important that we really slow to see how central this is for our God-honoring leading of our wife and children. Jesus is constantly pointing us to this reality of what it truly means to be his follower. We've got to climb out of the horizontal and all of the ways that we want this to work for our own good and our own homes. And we've got to see these days that God gives us is war. It's war. We live in the middle of war. This is not our home. This is a war time. You must have a wartime mentality, for you to think that I'm finally going to get this where it's just going to be, you know, roses and skipping through the living room and everything's going to be tucked in and just right. This is not your home. You are at war. Your family is at war. So Jesus says, "Consider His own words, Luke nine twenty three. If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow Me." And are you guilty of waking up and go, "Can just one day just go my way? Can it just finally just be the way I want?" No. Jesus says, "Every day you take up your cross and you follow him. You die to yourself and you live for him. The true Christian must die to self. And this is not just a one-time event, but a lifelong process. A daily thing, as Jesus says here in Luke 9:23. When Christ died on the cross for sinners, he not only stood in my place doing what I could never do to earn true and full forgiveness for my sin, he also showed us what we must do to faithfully follow him. That your life as a Christian is to die to self daily and follow him on Calvary's road, dying to self, living to the glory of God. Matthew 16, 24-26, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus spoke repeatedly to his disciples about taking up their crosses, an instrument of death, sacrifice, to follow him. He made it clear that if anyone would follow him, there must be a denial of self, which means giving up ourselves. Spiritually, symbolically, physically, if necessary. Husbands, this is our call as servant leaders in our home. This is our model. It can't be about us. can't be about our plan, our dream, our vision. We live for him. It must be about Christ and those we lead. Man, when you picture yourself as the leader of your home, you need to stop seeing the symbol of your leadership as a throne. And you need to start seeing the symbol of your leadership as a cross. where you sacrifice, where your selfless love goes to work to lead those that God has entrusted to you. Now quickly and very importantly, wives, this doesn't mean that the husband bends to your will or your preferred vision of things. Okay, He's still to lead. Leading you selflessly doesn't mean he just does it your way. In the end, that's you leading. That's not your role. He is still called to lead, and you are still called to submit to His direction, as long as it is not into sin. Men, you must see with me today, you love those you lead by giving yourself up for them. Take notice of how different this looks, that are often misconstructed interpretations of modern-day leadership. Sinful leadership is about you. Our leadership, our headship, must be about God and His glory. It's about helping those we lead to grow and mature, fight sin, and be discipled. When we make headship about us, we miss the very reason why we're entrusted with it in the first place. Meaning, God has given us these days not for us, but for Him. For his glory and the work he's called us to do. Will it be hard? Yeah. Really hard. Feel like dying? Feel out of gas? You're right in the middle of it. You're at war. Gotta fight our flesh. Let's just forget it. I just want what I want and I want it now. Our wives are to be our helpmates. They are to submit joyfully to our leadership. But that submission is not about us. It's about God. And what He's called us to do in leading those He's entrusted to us. What we need, men, we have in Christ. You've got to see this. What you want must ultimately be found in Christ and not in your wife or your kids performance it's only when Christ isn't enough for us that we make our leadership at home about us about our kingdom about the things that we need or feel like we need to be fulfilled to be joyful to be happy just like I talked about last week we're to love selflessly and we do not love for what we get out of it we have everything we need in Christ so we love selflessly selflessly this is Paul's emphasis in his words in verse 28 and 33 in our passage. Look with me again in our passage. Ephesians 5, 28, and then verse 33. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. How, and then in verse 33, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. says it again. Husbands, don't miss this. You are one with her now. You need to stop thinking like a single person. When you see her role as being played out like separate for you, know it's, it, it, you're one. When you love and lead your wife well, you're loving and leading yourself well. You don't take advantage of their submission and help to make it about you. Man, we must be so very careful to not let headship turn into sinful, selfish demands where our wife and kids exist only for our good and glory. Now, the opposite can be true. When it comes to God's good design for male headship and servant leadership, simply put, too many husbands take a back seat or an altogether pass. In this, they lazily or naively do not rise up to lead to manage to discipline to set vision for many this is because they were not trained they were not given a good example or maybe they're just simply guilty of taking the road of least resistance or selfishly only wanting to do what serves them best and they stop there problem is, in this, too many men have learned to sinfully defer to their wives to lead. And in this, following essentially the trends of the secular culture. The Apostle Paul, who is considered the most influential leader in the early church, when training up godly men, men who would follow him, be discipled, men who would be fundamental influencers of the church and of the next generations of Christians, men who would go out and represent Christ in the gospel, he often used language like, fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6.12. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 2.3. Paul understood that battle was happening, war. He understood that men were called by God to lead and to serve as faithful soldiers who are willing to endure a great hardship while doing all that it takes to fulfill the mission God has given to them as their commanding authority. God was transforming these men from selfish, lazy, arrogant, greedy, weak-minded men into strong, tender, active, selfless, full of godly wisdom men. When the secular culture thinks about a Christian husband, too often all they think about is a guy who wears slacks, tucked in and sets up chairs and maybe helps old ladies across the street. What they don't think of is a man who can fight. I don't mean fight with his fist and get people bloody. I mean stand his ground, stand for truth, for justice. A man with a willingness to confront and fight off the wolves who act like sheep, heretics who pervert God's word, blasphemers and deceivers who look to convince his own family members to consider evil and call it good, or to say that good is evil. We need men who will fight for sound doctrine. Fight for their family. Fight for their marriages. Fight for the growth and the health of their church family. Men who will serve their churches and their community humbly and generously. Men who will put away their chase of horizontal trophies and accolades to make much of their commanding officer. To make much of Jesus Christ. The reality is in this politically correct, everything is okay kind of society that we're in, too many men are losing sight of what it really looks like to be a man of God. The sad result of this is that many of these men become fathers and therefore do not rightly invest into the younger men, leading them to the one who can transform them and strengthen them and mold them in Christ-likeness. Do you realize this is a critical reason for why we lead like Christ? Because in this, who modeled and showed us, we, we point them to Christ. We show Christ to those we lead. This is why it can't be about us. It can't be about what seems to just fit your household. There's a model he's given that we're to follow Even even if your wife is more organized than you are, for some of you, your wife is just generally a better leader than you are. This does not give you permission to not lead. God has called you to be the leader. You don't get to give up this role for the sake of convenience or pragmatic production. Many have lost sight of what Paul is trying to do to press into Timothy when he says being a godly man and leader of your home is like being a good soldier. Hear me clearly. The Christ-like husband leader is humble, tender, and gentle, willing to admit he needs help, willing to ask for encouragement and prayer, willing to seek counsel, discipleship, and as a result, Christ is transforming that man from the inside out. Our leadership in our homes is not for our glory, but solely is to be focused on Christ being the one who gets the glory. So I ask you, husbands, are you leading? You might say she she won't let me. It's not hers to decide. She's not God. You're to obey the Lord. You're to rise up and take this place. Are you leading? Are you leading according to God's priorities and for God's glory? Some of you, as I even ask these simple questions, maybe you're already making excuses. Those excuses won't fly. God's word is clear. This is your role. Rise up, man. What plans are you making? Stop talking about how busy you are. You have the same amount of time as any other man who ever walked the face of the earth. Do you have a plan for your household, husband, father? A plan for your household that's unto the Lord? Are you taking time to prepare to lead? See, some of you don't lead because you never take time to prepare to lead. You take time to prepare to lead at work. You take time to prepare for the job, to get your schooling done, to do the job, and yet you usurp or step aside from the most important preparation you should be doing every day, deep in God's Word, surrounding yourself with faithful brothers who will speak truth into you. You are maturing. Some of you have been blessed with great godly brothers in this church. You sat at their tables way too long. You've, you've made excuses for why you're busy fulfilling your own agenda. You got great brothers around you that will walk with you, love you, lead you, tell you what you need to hear. It's time to get trained if that's what's needed. Do you know what your next step is? Are you leading according to God's priorities and for God's glory? The problem is with many homes that Christian men are not motivated to lead. If they're ill-equipped to lead, then they're not diligent or humble to get the needed training. Brothers, one of the most important investments you'll make in your marriage is your priority to humbly learn what God's priorities are according to his word for you and your household. And then be trained, discipled, how to do it. If you're going to be leaders that honor God, we must lead according to what glorifies God, and we must put away what glorifies us. Are you busy building a kingdom? Money, retirement, car, house, vacation homes, a bunch of horizontal focuses, but you're not leading for His kingdom. Your priorities are not first with Him. We must be willing to be trained. Be accountable. Be discipled. I also ask you this. Are you leading your wife and children sacrificially? This means that you are most concerned not with what you want, but what they need. This means you're putting your time and energy into the things that help them grow and honor God. Their sanctification, their priority to grow in Christ This is Paul's emphasis, again, in our passage. Look with me, Ephesians 5, 25-27. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. that She might be holy and without blemish. What this is not saying is, Husband, you can be your wife's savior. That's not what this is saying. Scripture is clear. Only Christ can be your wife's Savior, kid's Savior, your Savior. But in this model, Paul is pointing out Jesus' leadership and his priority for sanctification of his wife and his children. Sanctification, that's a big word, I've used it a couple of times, is the process of helping making something more holy. It's the journey of becoming more Christ-like. It's a life that is less lived for self and more lived for Christ. Paul says that Christ cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Husband, it's the same for us. That we be devoted to the word. And we're using the all-sufficient word to lead our wives and our families. We need to not miss the treasure that God's word is to us in leading and teaching your family. Man, husband, are you feeling a little ill-equipped in how to lead and teach your family? You have everything you need in the Word. Listen to it. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Men, are you growing in the Word so that you can better lead your family in the Word? There's no more important priority for your days than to be growing in Christ so that you can lead others in Christ. Is this a discipline of yours? I love watching those of you who take notes during the sermon. I love that you're content, not content to just hear it, hope that you keep it, But you're you're looking to capture and to study. I love to see that some of you use notes and journals at home when you study God's Word. You're writing down questions. You're digging in. You're writing out your prayers. You are becoming a student of the Word. You're not just trying to absorb this stuff. Second, you're digging in. You're studying. There's a discipline to this that we've got to put on, men. I want you to see this. I want you to slow and focus on this critical aspect of Christ-like servant leadership. One of the unique aspects to Christ-like leadership that we see in Scripture that is so profound but simple is that it is both lion-hearted and lamb-like. We see this imagery used throughout Scripture to talk about Christ. We see it very closely in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. Where Jesus is referred to as the Lion of Judah in verse 5 and the Lamb of God in verse 6. Both the Lion and the Lamb. He's lion hearted and lamb like. He's strong and he's meek. He's tough and he's tender. He's aggressive and he's responsive. He's bold and he's broken-hearted. In this, he sets the pattern for true manhood. I think most men, if they're honest, they resonate with kind of the valiant part of leadership in being lion-hearted. We, we kind of grab onto that one quickly. But I think it's harder for us sometimes to really do business of what it is to be lamb-like. Jesus is eternally God authority over all things commander creator and he humbled himself to put on flesh he humbled himself to not have a lavish earthly life simple even a place to lay his head he showed us not to build our kingdom here this is wartime he humbled himself to die in our place and one of the sweet places we see in Holy Scripture where Jesus humbles himself is that one special night the Last Supper Jesus and his men his followers his disciples in that room and he gets up from the table he takes off his outer garment and he binds himself with a towel and he gets down on the floor and he does the most revolting task of the day the task that would be for the lowest of the lowest slave he washes each of those grown men's feet. All of the polluted realities of that dirty road day and animals on the road and n- nothing clean, no white tennis shoes, no socks, just open sandaled feet, gunked up, layered up, picking pieces off, scrubbing And as he's doing this for each of these men not one of those men didn't know who their leader was. Brothers, see with me that servanthood does not nullify your leadership. It defines it according to Christ. And Jesus does not cease to be the Lion of Judah when he becomes the Lamb-like servant of the church. And this is the gospel. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were unfaithful, wretched, wicked people And he saw it through. When we were unfaithful, he was faithful. Two things to take from this. The importance of our role as husbands to lead sacrificially and faithfully must not be dependent on the faithfulness or the production of your wife or your kids. Number two, that we have great praise for God, for the gospel, for our Savior, for the sacrificial lamb. By his blood we're set free. In closing, a couple words of encouragement for you husbands and a loving caution and encouragement for you wives. First, the men. God says in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Be encouraged, men. Leadership is hard, but you're a man, and you're a man by God's design your father never taught you how to lead in a Christ-like way this passage is clearly saying that your heavenly father will go to him grow in him wise if you long for your husband to be maturing in these things then your greatest prayer for him needs to be time with the word time with other godly men to help him grow. Men, if you need help, if you need accountability, humble yourself to ask mature brothers to pray for you, and to help you. Wives, if your husband is lacking in leadership in your household, you cannot demand that he takes on this role by demanding you act contrary to the very thing for which you long. Why? Because in your demanding He's not leading, you are. Demanding or complaining is counterproductive because if you've had any impulse to lean in and grow your demanding takes the heart out of it. Instead, see that he's desperate for God to do a work in him that change has got to come from the inside out it's got to come from the conviction of the spirit according to the word so instead of demanding a few encouragements number one pray earnestly are you praying for him that God would awaken his true manhood biblical manhood Christ like manhood is your hope in God not in him your faith wife must go to work you hope in God you hope in Him you're going to be really disappointed. It's true. I say that to every wife at every altar I do a wedding. I say, look at Him. He will never be to you what only God can be to you. Your hope, wife, must be in the Lord. Number two, ask Him for a time when the two of you can get when You're not tired, angry, and share your heart's desires something comes up. Express maybe your longings. But when you do this, don't do it with ultimatums. That's leading. And do it with a hope, uh, with a sense of hope that's grounded in God and not in Him. Express your appreciation for Him. Honor Him as the head that God has put over you. Thank Him for hearing you. And then... Express your readiness to follow him, whichever way he leads you, without delay. This is a way to empower, come behind, support. And is one of the best things you can do for your husband is to let the gospel move through you. That you're clinging to Christ. That the selfless love of Christ is going to work in you in word and deed. And by honoring the Lord in your role as a sister in Christ and a joyfully submissive wife, you set the table better than any other thing you could do. The role of the wife is to be a loving helper in submission to the God-given authority of the husband, who is the head of the home. Ladies, don't ever miss the fact that your joyful submission and humble help, watch this, is ultimately meant by God to be a joyful expression of your love and submission to God. You honor God in these things. We'll get to the role of the wife in a few weeks. In the meantime, ladies, be praying for your husband. Be praying that he doesn't lead like you want him to. Pray that he leads like God wants him to. Church, we honor the Lord when we put our preferences for the role of the husband and the wife away. Even when it kind of seems to be working. Maybe it's better than it's ever been. You're not smarter than God. These days don't belong to you. They belong to God. Let's do it God's way. Walk by faith and not by sight. Finally, men, if your leading in your home is hard. If your wife is not faithful to God and living out her role. If your kids are disobedient. If your own heart is tempted to just throw the towel and just do whatever you want. Look to Christ. Remember Christ. See that his bride was regularly unfaithful, was unworthy, but it did not stop him. See his motivation to honor the will of the Father despite the cost. May it be so for us. By his grace, for his glory, may it be so for us. That's just part one, part two next week. Pray with me. Father, we're desperate for your good word to move that we would not be hearers only, but doers. So I just pray for every heart uh, that there's just a joyful surrender and embrace. Uh, there's a work of the Holy Spirit to bring real conviction that that you're just boiling over just humility and and a willingness to confess that if wives are realizing today I, I've usurped, I, I've I've tried to lead, I've been the weight that they would be willing to confess, they'd be willing to to share that with their husbands and share a desire to see their husbands lead and honor God in this and, and that you bring good conversation out of that for men in the room who have either led for themselves selfishly or have maybe been sinful to not lead to defer, to be lazy let them also confess their sin in this let them also step up sit the family down and share their hearts to honor God, to grow in God to ask for their prayer, their support, that you, would, that you would go to work in these families. As you have been, I'm so thankful for the work you've been doing in our church to raise up godly men, to see um, maturing happening in the life of the body in this way. Um, continue to do that work, Lord. Continue to draw people to this family where we're devoted to your word, where we're making disciples and growing in these ways. Let us make the most of these days you give us for your purposes and for your glory. Let us look to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Our hope and our peace and our joy is in Jesus. Stir our hearts now as we sing to King Jesus. In your name we pray.